Our permaculture cooperative economic philosophy is a series of social and biological economies integrating and working in concert with each other by utilizing the natural systemic processes of nature in order to synergize as networked yet sovereign communities and individuals. Much like Native Americans utilize the entire buffalo when they hunt, or how a farmer will make efforts to maximize yield, permaculture and cooperative philosophy aims to maximize its harmony with nature as much as possible in order to sustain healthy resources for, for both vitality and recreation. Welcome to the Village Cooperative Podcast. This is our inaugural episode. I'm your host, Matt Hermansky, and I'm joined by Darren Mann, our Executive De uh, Director at the Village Cooperative. Hello. And John Goodfellow, our elected chair. Hey. And today, we're going to be talking about what permaculture is, what a cooperative economy is, and how the village came to be. Um, Darren, start us off. How, what is sustainable, sustainable agriculture, and how did you get to this point? Take your time. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll go back to... Um, when I was working on the Bernie campaign and as an environmental lobbyist to save the rivers of Utah, um, primarily the Bear River and the Colorado River. Um, and I did a lot of work um, organizing communities up in Ogden and northern Utah, Logan, um, and um, organizing farmers to protect their land from three dams that were going to cost the um, the state $2.5 billion to build three dams along the, the Bear River. And so I started interacting with a lot of farmers because their land was going to be um, ravaged or f completely flooded by the uh, creation of these dams that were just unneeded because it was a terrible, terrible use of resources economically, environmentally, and it just would cause so much tremendous harm, whether it was you know, diverting so much water that the Great Salt Lake would be barren, uh, thus leading towards huge, vast tracts of lake bed exposed, thus creating dust storms that would just ravage our air quality and make it virtually unlivable here. And then also the economic impact of like, how are we affecting the families that are having to pay for this institution? And also, you know, what what impacts are we looking towards our, our farming community? So I started eating a lot of uh, dinners with farmers because um, especially when you go into rural communities, they do not just open arms you, you know, you have to kind of earn your keep. Um, and so I would eat dinner with a lot of these families and work their farms with them um, to talk with them about the problems facing them with the Bear River Diversion. And it kind of just opened my eyes to the importance of farming because, you know, working for the Bernie Sanders campaign and being so focused on uh, the ultimate liberation of our people for a better uh, society has always been at the forefront of my mind. And uh, so, you know, I'm sitting here looking at all this wonderful um, creation just coming out of the ground that these farmers are cultivating with and interacting with on a daily basis. And it really started to tug on my my heart and my mind of like, oh, what what can we do? So I started to get more involved in the urban agricultural scene. And I took a job. I actually like forced my way into a nonprofit that um, does like um, 
gleaning, which is harvesting um, excess fruit from people's backyards or, you know, parks and whatnot, and then distributing that to food banks and to families in need and building um, farms and senior citizens' backyards for them to enjoy produce. Um, and I, I learned a lot from that organization, and it, it's, a, it's really a revolutionary organization, but I couldn't kind of shake this feeling of... Um, there's a missing puzzle to the piece of food justice because I, I really, I really see food as this um, gateway towards self-actualization. Because when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, uh, food, shelter, sleep is right there at the base of the pyramid. And if we're going to start building a, a, a resilient community that can defend itself, I mean, especially with these trying times, if we have a community that can defend itself, provide for itself, and um, ultimately has community support um we're we're going to be able to start to cultivate independence from this current economic um and political system that we're a part of and so um i really started to ponder on how i could do that and i started to look into um buying a, a house where i could practice communal living and um start farming the land and distributing the produce in the three block radius because through my studies of you know, whether working for the Food Justice Nonprofit, the Green Urban Lunchbox, or just my own studies of being an environmental lobbyist, of how we really start to analyze where our resources are coming from and how we could make the most equitable distribution. We ha it has to come from the community that you're, you're serving. So um, I, that's why I decided to kind of move into this area um, uh, Fair Park, Rose Park area, which is um, right on the uh, border of a food desert, which is North Salt Lake. And um, and it's, you know, in a lower economic status. And uh, it was like, how do we, like, you, how do we really cultivate that sense of community through growing food and then hosting communal events where we're highlighting local artists and really start to cultivate that sense of community um, I think my mic just, um, that sense of community that, um, <clears throat> allows us to flourish. And so we got this property and we started, uh, sheet mulching the backyard and, and building several rows, uh, to garden on. Um, and then we did that, uh, last year. Um, and we saw a huge amount of produce. We, we grew about 4,000, uh, pounds of produce on less than... Uh, it was 1,500 square feet. Um, and so then this year we've we've really put a focus on outreach and f forming the village cooperative. So with John and um, and um, Mike Pizza and, you know, a lot of other people uh, within the community, whether it's David Hollins or whatnot, we sat down and we started really hashing out the documentation to make a, um, a non-profit nonprofit cooperative that could um, start to be a model for you know, economic resilience, economic and food resilience within our community. And um, ultimately, it's with the desire to replicate that. So um, that's why we built the infrastructure at a very cheap rate of, you know, a walk-in cooler, um, a wash station, all of the tools necessary, and we've been installing several gardens throughout the community to uh, cooperative members who will help contribute produce. 
and that we can store and then disseminate that to people who necessarily don't have the space, right? Because it's um, it's really coming from that approach of not everybody wants to farm, not everybody wants to do what we're doing, but if they if we can pull our sources together, resources together, we can then cultivate a space where everybody's ingenuity has a purpose, it has a place, and we can therefore create this wonderful pool of, of inspiration and, and hope and drive and, and move it in a way that um, allows everybody to flourish, whatever their skill set, whatever that is. But it starts with the basic necessities of life. Um, and you learn that when you interact with the soil, when you throw your hands in the soil and you start to um, really interact with Mother Earth. Um, yeah. Yeah, so back when you were engaging with these farmers and kind of first picking up um, the new paradigm of permaculture and, and regenerative ag- agriculture. Was, was was there a moment where you kind of, it kind of clicked? I mean, you mentioned these dams, these large, larger industries coming in to try to engineer, um, you know, the big grid, so to speak. And, and then you see these farmers at a more local level, and it's kind of ruining the opportunity for these smaller communities to develop uh, and makes them dependent on the larger micro, you know, global food networks. So what were there moments in that um, that process of you um, getting politically active, learning about farming and agriculture where it, it you kind of clicked and you kind of saw this, this other way of, um, you know, operating that we're pursuing? Um, yeah, because I guess primarily my function was um, organizing people to go up to the Capitol and lobby legislators. And then when I started to um, engage with the urban farming community, primarily the Krishna Temple here in Salt Lake, um, and my friend Ricky Tiki Tavi, um, who is a wonderful permaculturist, and she just does so much. Um, she has the Mobile Moon Co-op, which she also introduced me to cooperative economics. Um but just like visiting these farms that are just havens within this urban city that we reside um, and watching all these people garden together and, and, you know, share songs and, and art. And it was just this, these communal hubs. It was like, why are we not? Not your average farm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just driving along the highway. Yeah. 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 It's like literally just, you know, you drive down an alleyway and then all of a sudden you see this quarter acre farm or this, acre farm or, you know, they're all very small in comparison to your average industrial farm. But when you pull them collectively over the valley, you know, it's very comparable to other establishments. Um, And so you see these oases of hope um, just blossoming throughout the valley. And I was like, what do we, what can we do to um, spread this? So I guess that was my aha moment. It was like, Mm -hmm. I was tired of the gambit of going to the Capitol and fighting these interests, you know, um, like big engineering firms that are moving towards these dams and, and like trying to highlight the corruption of the people that they pay off so that they can move these initiatives forward. It was like, this is the same game that we've been playing for centuries. When are we going to start to play a different game? Mm-hmm. Like what, what's the, what, when are we going to take the chess board, start it over and move, you know, really move in a direction that's towards our ultimate liberation as a people, not as a, 
a sect or a different group. It's like all of us together in unison. How are we empowering each other? Mm -hmm. How are we doing that? And it really starts from like just harvesting food together. Because when I was working at the Green Urban Lunchbox harvesting fruit trees, I was literally underneath the shade of a fruit tree. And it didn't matter if you were a Trump supporter, if you're a Bernie supporter, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just sitting there and you're enjoying harvesting an apple tree together mm -hmm. biting off you know you have your your kids there biting into those apples and just smiles on their faces and it really allows for that that human connection well, and so that was my aha, aha moment yeah that's great and particularly in these more chaotic times um you mentioned you know the the hierarchy of needs and how uh, I, I I have a, a firm belief in the goodness of humanity, and when people are in need, it doesn't matter who you are or any of your other demographic. We come together and we help kind of feed each other, and that's that's just beautiful. That that's kind of the the primary motive and philosophy of these communities and of this effort. So awesome! Thanks for that. Mm. Um, so the the other part of that is um, kind of an economy of community. Um, not only are we generating food, but we're also uh, organically having these social dynamics and uh, kind of an economy of people. John, um, you are kind of a master of the social scene on that. What, what are your thoughts? Or do you have any response to anything I, Darren I, said? Well, lots, but I wouldn't I mean, say I'm a master of anything. But um, no, I think what Darren that moment that Darren was describing where you're working with the ground or you're harvesting or you're doing something physical and like magic, there isn't anything else going on but picking, weeding, or doing whatever that thing is. And like, I think that's one of the most amazing things you can get from this movement is like everyone's talking about mindfulness and spirituality and wholesomeness or wholeness or this thing that they want to feel that's missing in their life. And it's really just being present and actually turning everything else off in your head, not being worried about all this stuff going on in the background. It's a full engagement with something. And that's what this is. It's an opportunity to get reacquainted with ourselves on a very personal, very simple, very spiritual level. And then with that accountability, there's an investment in skill. There's an investment in, you know, community and friendship. And we love through sacrifice through time. Like we give ourselves experiences that adds value. We become more happy, stable, healthy, holistic. And on top of that, you're growing food that is good for you. You're getting time outside. You're getting exercise. So you will be physically better off before you even eat the food. You start eating the food, you feel better, you've got these moments where you're present with yourself and you're present with your neighbors, with your community, with all of these things. And you know, you, you do that over time and next thing you know, you're a self-sustained engine. And anyone you interact with is going to see is like, hey, Matt, dude, you look tan, what have you been doing? And then next thing you know, oh, I've been hilling potatoes for the last two days. And it's like, oh, that's cool. So you grow potatoes. Next thing you know, your neighbors are growing potatoes. Mm -hmm. And they're tan and they're stretching and they're limber and they're doing all the things that you're doing. And in this 
osmosis type of way, this movement of cooperative agriculture and permaculture is giving us that connection with ourselves, our bodies, our health, our wealth, and then abundance because everyone participates, everyone has food to eat. And this community of trading starts to emerge. And Darren can get more into the um, nuts and bolts of it than I can, but it's a pathway to a lot of the things that I think people are really like looking for right now. And you know what's really cool, John, is like, our neighbors, Sarah, across the way, right? Her garden is just starting to flourish, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she, she started to, you know, wood chip mm-hmm. her parking strip. I remember she that. Built those, she built those raised beds, planted those trees, and she's always coming over and asking us for advice. So you're very much right on that of like the osmosis that transpires. You know, when when we first moved in here, and you know, John, John and I put a lot of work in this, like moving just. Huge amounts of soil and building Tons these raised beds. Well, 14 cubic yards, John and I pretty much did just with a wheelbarrow and a shovel. And um, it was funny to see my neighbor directly behind us, who now has donated his spot for us to garden in. It was the most dilapidated lawn you've ever seen, you know, just really riddled with weeds and um, in a sorry state. And he's like, I'm mowing it today and i'm like thank you so much you know and and he started to mow his lawn and and care for this land that he was you know stewarding because that's really what it is you know it's where i may have bought this house but i don't own it i'm just here to steward it well yeah and we've had several generations in our culture of people that for the most part not been taught about gardening not not been taught about agriculture and a lot of us want to be self-sufficient, want to know about these things, but there's a big learning curve yep. and it's intimidating. And to to see uh, people in your neighborhood that are starting to turn plots, just acres and acres on one city block of just lawn that nobody's even really using to start to transform those into spaces that can be regenerative to the community. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and then and then you're more likely. We've had so many people that come up, be like, "What are you doing, man?" And it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, we every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, we have volunteers, and they come by, and we can teach them. And um, you know, I'm new to this too, to be frank, and um, I learn so much every day, and it's such a joy not to learn it um, just as kind of a hobby or skill. But like I said, these times are chaotic. This might not just be something that is kind of a good value thing to have, but actually a necessity um, if there is some sort of food shortage or things like that. Well, actually, if I may, um, that really speaks something to my mind. Is um, So we're in these chaotic times where we're seeing these uh, social issues that are being brought to bear with, uh, you know, George Floyd, and it's really like this consciousness that's been just really struggling to be heard and, and all of this, really important shit is happening. Um, And then also underlying with that, we have this pandemic, um, which has really affected our food supply chain. Um, And we haven't seen the effects of that come to bear yet. You know, there's all these ranchers that I follow and and farmers that are throwing away thousands of pounds of produce, dairy, um, because there's no supply chain to catch up with that. And um, so it's actually really, we're in this crazy time where, you know, we're f- 
the people who have been fighting for social justice for decades um, are finally starting to have the support and recognition that they deserve. And we're starting to see this flux of political energy that way. And at the same time, we have to start building communities. This is like a reflection of how we have to build communities that can defend themselves. Because what if we had cooperative farms everywhere where everybody is a dues-paying member, everybody's starting to interact with their community, and they see that shit happening on their corner. They see, they see like, what, what happens when you have a community that is talking to each other? Like, I've had, I've had people call me with domestic um, issues, um, and they called me, mm-hmm. right, because I help grow their food. I help that. They don't call the police. They don't call that shit. They, they call me. And they, because they know that I have other members within my community that I could come, well, I think, and, it, and it would be handled but I think within us. There's also, though, like on a less, um, I don't know what less it is, but like if everyone in the community talks, there's accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you know everybody's name, they can't steal your shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's 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 so like like you know, and 50, 60 years ago. Um, you knew the postman by name, you knew the cop, you knew your fireman. And so like that, imagine having a personal relationship with a cop Mm. and seeing him with George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Imagine knowing that guy's name, that cop's name in, in a neighborhood and community under that type of accountability. I don't think you could pull that kind of stuff off anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when everybody's got this network of connection you know, the, the commitment to best behavior is better. I mean, how many keyboard warriors are out there? Because they can anonymously just kind of say whatever they're doing. And that's kind of the thing about, like, law enforcement is their, the anonymous kind of nature of it kind of protects them. But with the community where there's accountability, where we know our public servicemen, because they're part of the community, they're not an outsider, it's totally different that way. Well, and to piggyback off of that... Um... You know, they say that we have more floor space than ever, but people are so lonely and depressed, you know, even though they... Totally, totally, and, we're divided. And, yeah, and so even though we have these dense neighborhoods, um, you know, a lot of people are lonely, a lot of people are struggling for community connections and real ones. And uh, yes, we can, you know, there's accountability, but it's also, there. there's going to be less crime if people are more connected yeah, they with go friends outside. and have support in their community. And so it's a kind of like a win-win. If you have a garden, you're going to talk to your neighbors because you're going to be outside enough that they're going to walk by. And if everybody, like, peak COVID, right? Imagine quarantine, like, just being stuck in your neighborhood, but you actually know all your neighbors' names, and everyone's outside growing food, and everyone's chilling and talking. It would be the the pooling of resources that would naturally happen how much toilet paper would have got shared mm-hmm. rather than rolling up if it if we all knew because we're all outside we're talking to everybody we and then that community becomes its own protected mind because everyone's aware of or thinking about each other when well, it's a natural economy and another part of mm-hmm. the cooperative community is it goes beyond just the needs of the food and it develops into culture. It develops into handyman skills. And, you know, when you really look at the economic philosophy and, and, you know, the philosophy of of currency, there is currency amongst societies, societies without, 
the actual dollar bills or monetary currency. There is social currency, there is social economy. Right. And that's and that's something that we're trying to bring back in order to have that community exchange and also arts as well. Um, and, and it really just ends up being a whole entire culture, uh, if you will. Well, so um, actually, so in the philosophy of permaculture, you know, which we're trying to mold permaculture with cooperative economics and um, which they're kind of, you know, synonymous when you really think about it. Um, but like permaculture, they have this philosophy of the zones, right? And zone zero um, is yourself, right? And then one is your immediate um, mm -hmm. space where you're growing your, the things that you use every day um, that you use every day. And whether it's herbs um, maybe your tomatoes and, and things that you're just constantly trying to harvest. And then you move out to zone two and that could be your more long, you know, crops that take a longer time to yield anything like your eggplants or, you know, kale. Well, kale you can harvest all the time, but you get the idea. And then it just goes out from there. And then five is the wilderness, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's where you're harvesting your wood and you're not interact interacting with it that often, mm -hmm. right? Um, so there's like a gradient in terms of yes, exactly. going into mm -hmm. the wilderness into more of a, a structured uh -huh. farming environment. But that gradient can be interpreted to how we interact with each other socially. Because actually mm. in the permaculture community, everybody, what you know, whether it's, you know... Um, Charles Eisenstein, whatever. They're always talking, like, I feel like everybody has this focus on the land, the land, the land, the land. Environmental, environmental. But they're forgetting that there's a paradigm, there's a, um, a Venn diagram that in permaculture, you have care for the planet, um, people care, and care for the future, or fair share, depending on what Venn diagram you're looking at. And we're, we're, we're so focused because we've been programmed that, oh, our environment is under siege and whatnot, that we're forgetting people care and care for the future is just as important. Mm -hmm. And so when John's talking about, like, the interaction that we're having and the, the, the osmosis that transpires through cultivating the land and mm -hmm. building that community, whether it's highlighting local artists with our residents building roots events and stuff like that, it's or just like our our little workspaces that we do in our communal gardening events, the osmosis that transpires from us um, being the example, that can be replicated anywhere, right? Like the village cooperative is an idea that can be replicated throughout, and that's actually what we encourage. That's that's our goal, you know. And and like um, John can speak to that more because like I wanted to just do it here. And this motherfucker was like, I, no, man, this, no. Could, this could be so much bigger than that. Well, yeah. And there's so many things that you said that like got my ears perking. But <laughs> with, uh, with this movement, with this, this thing that we're describing, it's, it really comes down to us seeing ourselves as a separate self because of our society. We, we look at ourselves as different or special. I have a name. I have a singular identity. And if you come from a religious background where they teach of a singular soul, we see ourselves very much as separate and anything we consume, it, it, we objectify everything, right? So we're disconnecting. But when you look at things from a permaculture perspective, we're part of a system, a greater system. And when you plug into that system, 
you're plugging into your biology, you're plugging into all of these things that your soul and your body wants to do. And it's holistic and the self-care is incredible because you feel good, you're doing what the body feels good, you're connected and you realize that everything is in relationship to something else. If I go outside and weed for an hour, how many positive reactions are there gonna be to that one act? And I think when we start to look at that, we look at the impact of the psychology of the individual, the health, the physical health, the mental health of the exercise, the holisticness of act, like touching dirt, handling it with your hands, the way you feel. And you get a block of people doing that. Imagine what that would do to the collective consciousness as far as from like a positive standpoint, a community engagement standpoint, because you know, then we're in this together. We're starting to look at this thing from like, oh, I'm trying to get mine. It's like, we're getting ours. I saw a meme that uh, illustrated this really nicely. There's um, this little boy in Africa was given food by volunteers and he didn't eat the food. He ran to his peers and came back with all the kids and shared the food. And they asked him why he didn't just eat it. And he's like, it's not fun if we don't all don't eat. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the mindset that starts to happen when you start to look at things from a holistic, permaculture, cooperative mindset. And so when Darren was describing this to me, and I, <clears throat> I had moved to L.A. last summer, so I didn't get to see the harvest or the growth or any of that. And I came back around January, things had changed. And we were talking about it. I'm like, dude, why aren't we trying to like do this everywhere? Because what you're offering people, because people want to make a difference. Like they want to do something good for the planet. They want to express themselves that way, but they don't know how or where. And you're giving people an opportunity to be a better version of themselves. It's a model. And so why not make that model a packageable, duplicatable model that can be serviceable anywhere where we have the land and the means to grow food and pool resources together. And so that that started this conversation. And so now here we are and it's... Exactly. And that's the thing is it's actually really easily replicatable. You know, like whether it's the resources at hand and the institution that we've created, whether it's the nonprofit and the way that we're, we've really begun to start budgeting on how we can help you build a cooperative in your area. You know, like uh, we can help you build the walk-in cooler, the wash station, get your garden established and get you going as a hub um, like in, at a relatively low cost. Um, and it would come from our grant funders that we're, we're courting and that we've established and like moving in that direction of like, okay, so we have all these funds of this nonprofit entity that nobody owns. It's membership owned, you know, it's owned by the community in and of itself. So, you know, um, the, it's really a collective endeavor where it's like, we're okay, we're investing in you because you want to serve your community in a three block radius and you want to help empower the resiliency of your community. We're here to help you with that. And so we're going to, we're going to help give you some funds. We're going to help you move in that direction um, so that you can do that. So you can start building that resiliency and growing food for your community and then ultimately cultivating empowerment in your community, because you know, um, watching the 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 lettuce grow out of the ground 
is good for your soul. It's just as good for your soul as it is for your neighbors, you know? And I mean, it's been proven. There's been multiple studies, I think, uh, in, um, oh man, Oregon, uh, they did a, a study, um, that community gardens reduce crime rates by like 70%. I'm spitballing off the top of my head. So, fact check that one. Yeah, no, no, but it, it is a huge amount. It's a, no, it's it's actually very dramatic. Oh, I, I, the, 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 our the, neighborhood the, here. Well, yeah. yeah, because like you, you have, because once you have, and what their study concluded, because um, I'm just shit at, at citing numbers, but like what they, what they concluded is when I you have, have a community have like this. watching and like, interacting with each other they start to watch nobody steals shoes at the roller rink yeah because <laughs> everyone's got to go home with some shoes right <laughs> yeah. and True. there's like an implied trust there yeah since we're all like ditching our shoes it's like that's a safe place to like leave them you know and i think mm -hmm. when you're engaged with your community and you're engaged with your property like compare homeowners in like your traditional American upper middle class neighborhood to people that live in apartments. Like how much differently do they behave in relationship to each other and their belongings and everything? It's like totally different, right? But if you go a step further and maybe we just go to, you know, um, thoroughly middle class, low access, low income areas, uh, and you start to see houses that, you know, they're not as nice as the things like that, but you see people that are farming and gardening, that's a tight-knit group of people. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's like, oh, dude, look at those raised beds. How'd you do that? And then it becomes like this um, really fun, like, journey, collaboration, where everyone's kind of got their own little thing going on. And it becomes this thing, and you start looking out. Like, Darren has neighbors that uh, we walk by, and they have... Um, Nordic runes on there and he always points out what they mean to me and and all these little things that happen when you step out in your community and you invest the time and then you start to really see what other people are doing what they're into well, and you're not gonna like you're not gonna steal from those people and they're gonna watch out for you and you're gonna watch out for them and it's well and what's cool about the model that we're creating is even if you are anti-social and don't want to garden don't want to talk to people but believe in the philosophy you can still contribute monetarily and be involved and and have sh and have a share with a community and kind of pick and choose your social engagement and that's the other great part is it is uh, a model beyond that so yeah anyways guys um let's go ahead and talk about what we have specifically going on here and how people can maybe get involved um right away um, Darren, what do we have going on that people can sign up for and co or come by with uh, right away? Ah, uh, yeah. So we um, right now we still have some slots available for our CSA. Um, we have uh, four slots available for paid CSA. Uh, it's three hundred dollars for non-members, two fifty for members, um, and you get a ten-week CSA into the winter plus bonus uh, thank you packages in the winter as we start to have squashes and whatnot available. To help you get through those cold winter months. And, and what is the CSA for maybe somebody who uh, doesn't know? Yeah, yeah. It's a community-supported agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so, yeah, that's you're helping us support the program. And more importantly, um, with our thirds model, according to our bylaws as an organization, we have to donate a third of that produce to families in need. Mm-hmm. And so um, we also have five more slots available to um, families in need who want to be sponsored. It would be totally free to them, and we they would get uh, 10 pounds of uh, produce from our farm um, on a weekly basis to um, feed their families with. And so that would be, that would be wonderful as well. Uh, so anybody, you know, we'll have a link in the, in the comments for them to do that. And then if you want to get more involved as far as like helping us cultivate the land, learning how to do this, um, we we farm every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Um, and on Tuesdays, sometimes we just get together in our, in our living room and talk about ideas and, and really have like mm-hmm. a little work, a work hang is what we, we dubbed it, um, where we just kind of brainstorm um, and cuddle with our dog that's barking in the background. <laughs> and, and, and we're bringing back, we, we had classes last year on Monday and COVID um, really did a number on us because a lot of our, our whole premise is meeting up physically mm-hmm. and breaking bread and sharing you know, space. And so where that was socially, politically, ethically not responsible, um, we had to put that on hold, but we're working on bringing back Monday classes. And this is a great opportunity for you to come and get a feel for um, what the organization is, what we embody, and then learn about the actual principles, the nuts and bolts of gardening, permaculture, planting, design, um, Hugo culture, or even grant writing, or any of the skills that we have as an organization that we feel are necessary to like do this so that you guys can do this and so that this movement can go everywhere, whether it's like vertical gardens, anything. And you can. Well, yeah. And, and, and on to kind of piggyback on that. We've had workshops where people are doing art exhibits where painting their their trauma on their pants and burning the pants. Or, like, we still have yarn on the fence from, like, where we just have a box full of yarn. As a matter of fact, I need to refill it. But, like, where we just have yarn sitting in this box and then all the neighborhood kids come and, like, do these really cool patterns on the fence. And that's been there for a year. And it, and some of the patterns are like, whoa, who did that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, it's a really good uh, introductory experience for kids to engage, you know, which it's funny. I didn't expect that. But um, like it started with them doing yarn on our fence. And now like they'll just literally like I'll close the gate. I'll be like, I want some privacy. I'll close the gate. And the next thing I know, a little a little kid's climbing over the fence being like, Darren, what are you planting today? <laughs> and I'll be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Once you catch that bug, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be in the dirt all the time. Yeah, it's 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 really co- quite cool to see and inspiring, you know. Um, and it inspires me to like, oh, okay, maybe I won't sit down and have a beer. Maybe I'll... uh. Go dig some more Farm more holes. <laughs> yeah, and so um, yeah, it's pretty cool when when kids do that. And they they bring that special little little bit of light to your life. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. So yeah, we have tons of opportunity to engage with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're we're really thrilled about how people have shown up to date and the reception in the community and and how well it's going. Um, and I, 
I mean, as someone who was kind of dabbling and jumped all the way in, I know that it's positively impacted my life on a pretty extreme level. So, yeah, three months ago, I was uh, living in Portland and, you know, this coronavirus situation hit and I've always kind of had hippie vibes, not that permaculture is necessarily strictly hippie and always wanted to, to really, you know, feel like my life was matching up with the, the natural laws and, and things mm-hmm. of nature. And through a long kind of learning process about what type of society we live in, I've learned so much in these last couple months. And I truly believe that, that this is a sustainable model of the future that I believe will organically emerge on its own. And I think that we've all kind of stumbled in this almost on accident. And it just um, seems to be such a good time real. to to break bread with the community. And so that's what we're doing. Break ground. Break ground, exactly. Break ground with the community. I like so, that. Yeah. Um, any, any final thoughts? I think we ran through quite a bit from either uh, one of you. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, to just kind of add on that, um, we have we have a Facebook, you know, the Village Cooperative. We have an Instagram at the dot Village Cooperative. The dot Village Cooperative. Oh, right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. thank you. Um, and then our website, createthevillage.org. Um, and, you know, just, just, yeah, follow us, engage with us. Um, and if you would like to create your own cooperative, reach out to reach out to us via our, our social media. Um, we could really start to talk to you and, and see if it's the right fit. Um, Slide in to those DMs. <laughs> <laughs> or, send an e- or send an email. Yeah. Or a phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it all works. Um, yeah, c- come on by and, and just see what we're about and just have a good time with us. So that's all I have to, to say about that. All right. Thanks, Darren. John? No, man. I, 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 you laid to, it all to, out. To like, to, like, emulate Rich Roll here, peace, love, and plants, man. All right, and I guess may peace be with you, my friends. That's it. Perfect. Motherfucker. Oh, wow.